0: Welcome to the Well Community Talks. Alright, so tonight is the start of our new series and a message that I hope and pray will get us ready to celebrate Easter. Uh, Today we start the seven week long march toward Easter with a focus on Jesus and how he talked about himself. Uh, In previous years I've had more of a focus on Lent and sometimes we can focus so much on what we're giving up um, but we give those things up in order to focus our attention on the person of Christ and I thought what better way to focus on Christ than to look at his own words and who he says he is So we're gonna be looking uh, through the seven IM statements that can be found in the Gospel of John throughout this series. And like I said earlier, what I'm excited about is that we are doing this in cooperation with our sponsor, Church Steve. Uh, We're drafting some messages for one another. We're sharing ideas and illustrations. Um, And we even have their youth pastor, Wes, he's gonna be filling in and preaching at Gateway and preaching at The Well. Um, And it's just, it's fun to see the church is coming together to support one another and to get different flavors and different styles So you're not always just stuck with me um, So if there's some things that you're like that does not sound like Kevin, um, It probably isn't then <laughs> um, But no, I, I say that because I, I shared a couple, a couple of the jokes that Steve had written for this message with Amanda And she's like please don't say that joke and I'm like yeah I can't get away with that can I Um, but uh, I'm sure there's going to be things that I I share with him and he's going to be like are you out to lunch but uh, let's have some fun with this series so let's let's kick off by getting right into our Bibles Uh, so today's I am statement we're actually going to be going to John chapter 14 And looking at verses 4 to 6 so if you have your Bible uh, with you or on your phone feel free to go ahead and turn there with me now so you can read the words of Jesus with me Um, and while you look up that passage just let me put it into its context a little bit Jesus is speaking to his disciples in the upper room and it's the fateful night before he would be killed on a cross and their hearts are quite understandably very troubled And here's what Jesus says. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I am going. Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going how can we know the way jesus told him i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me now as i just mentioned they they're up in the upper room jesus and his 12 disciples and later in the evening jesus is going to be arrested and abandoned by his followers One of them will betray him, another one will deny him. So emotions right now, they don't know how this is about to play out, but emotions are running high. The energies in the air, Jesus has a very limited amount of time now to prepare them for the intense events that are about to take place. But notice that the first thing that Jesus says in John chapter 14 is don't let your hearts be troubled. And the picture behind this Greek word that's translated trouble is this image of a stormy sea. If you've been in the middle of a lake or the sea during a storm, you know how helpless you feel when those waves start coming up against your boat. And that's kind of this picture of what's going on now in the disciples' hearts. There's this storm and they're worried. Now by the looks of it, two emotions were going on in the room that night. There's two emotional states that were causing the disciples' hearts to be troubled. And the first is fear, which is a primary emotion. And the second is anger, which is a secondary emotion. It's a byproduct of fear. So let's look at fear first. It's an understandable and expected emotion in that situation. Jesus was talking about leaving them, their rabbi. Uh, their, their king, their messiah, their lord is leaving and for the last few weeks he's talked about him dying once they arrive in Jerusalem and so now they're in the capital city and the disciples are starting to feel scared and that's why Jesus assures them that they don't need to worry because whatever happens to him and whatever happens to them first of all their eternal security is secure if they believe in him Jesus says that the reason they don't need to be afraid is you believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus promises that he's going to prepare a place for everyone who trusts in him. And later on, we learn that these mansions of glory are eternal homes in a new heaven and new earth that we see in the book of Revelation. But the greatest assurance of all is that the worst thing that could happen to you is that you die and go and get to be with Christ. And that's kind of this this realization that peter comes to that we looked at a couple of weeks ago in acts chapter 2 peter peter kind of realizes like you've lost all your power jesus is alive jesus has defeated death but jesus says if i go and prepare a place for you i will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where i am And as he's already said the way to know that you have eternal life is by believing in jesus you place your trust in his death and for the forgiveness of your sins and you place your trust in his resurrection for the hope of life now and life forevermore and i think this is such an important message for today because we can see people battling fear everywhere we look and like the disciples there's a lot we can be fearful about especially if all we have is hope for this world in pastoral work you get to see a lot of damage done by fear firsthand we're worried about what's happening in the ukraine we're fearful of covid we're anxious about the economic collapse inflation gas prices you name it but this is nothing new So we need to remember that Jesus still speaks to those with hearts that are crippled by fear and he whispers, don't let your hearts be troubled. He says, trust me, believe me. And he reminds us that although he's with us now, we also have a home with him for eternity. The most common command in the Bible is fear not. And that's because we're fearful people but 2 Timothy 1.7 says God has not given us a spirit of fear. So we don't have to wonder if this haunting fear that we have is from God. Because it's not. He doesn't give us a spirit of fear. So now in a moment I want to look at what Jesus says to his disciples to help with their fear. But before we go there, I just want to observe the other emotion that's at play here. Which is the byproduct of fear. And that is anger you have to look a little bit harder to find it but it's there in just a few moments judas will betray his friend jesus to the authorities and although he was paid for the deed it wasn't just his greed that motivates him it's also anger because jesus wasn't bringing about an overthrow of the roman empire the roman rule he wasn't getting her done And in just a couple of hours, Peter is going to violently lash out and cut off the ear of a Roman soldier. Jesus rebukes him for doing so, but it's a reminder to all of us to not allow fear to turn into anger and settle into bitterness. Ephesians 4.27 says that unresolved anger, letting the sun go down on your anger, can bring about a demonic foothold. It It can create that space for the enemy to wreak havoc. And I hope I'm not alone in in knowing that firsthand, that those times when you've been hurt and wronged and it's just so hard to forgive, it just starts eating away at you. But when you can finally just hand it over to God and extend that forgiveness, oh, the peace that fills you. I think Jesus' message to his disciples do not let your hearts be troubled is such an important message for today because just like fear everywhere we go these days we can see unchecked anger like, and I'm not just talking about those other people like I'm talking about Christians followers of Jesus me man throughout the last two years I have been working on my anger I've shared that with people that I have had a hard time with it and I know a lot of it comes out of this fear and in fact I remember talking with my counselor who I've been meeting with more regularly throughout the pandemic and and I I was sharing some of my fears and then I said to her the one thing that really bothers me though is that I'm finding that the hardcore in-your-face Christians are some of the angriest people that I've been seeing and she simply asked, but what if that's because they're afraid too? And it was like, whoa, like it just blew my mind. And it, you guys might be thinking that's pretty easy to, to see th- through, but it changed my perspective in such a way that I was able to have compassion for people. And I was able to think about what, why are you afraid? What, what's driving some of this anger? And like Peter, some of us might be angry with government authorities, angry with the limitations on our rights and freedoms, angry about soaring inflation, you name it. But Jesus is still whispering to those who are angry, don't let your hearts be troubled. And we don't have to wonder if the bitterness that's growing inside is something that God's doing. James 1.20 reminds us that human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So now just before we get into the solution to the fear and anger that we experience, let's ask, where does this come from? And I think the first place is that it comes from a heightened sense of vulnerability. It's where you feel like you're in danger, either physically or emotionally. You kind of lay yourself out there, and then you're feeling exposed. And then the second place that fear and anger spring from is a diminished sense of control. And I think we can all attest to that loss of control. That you feel unable to handle the challenges of life or maybe you lack the strength or the competence. Perhaps you feel this way in your marriage, your work, your health, your relationships. When you feel safe and in control, you're unlikely to be fearful or worried. But it's in those moments when you feel vulnerable, like you lack the power to do anything, that it leads to fear and then we can lash out in anger But what's amazing about Jesus is that he knows he is vulnerable on this fateful night. And he is powerless to stop the most horrific crime from happening to him. But he can still say, don't let your hearts be troubled. So how can he be so confident? Well, I think here's how. Jesus knows that he's not alone. He has seen the hand of his Father in so many situations before. And so he knows that he's not ultimately vulnerable, and he knows who truly is in control. And he's convinced that God, his Father in heaven, is personal, is present, is powerful, and is worthy of trust. Now keep in mind that our series is called, I Am, Jesus in His Own Words. So when Jesus says that statement, I am, seven times throughout John's gospel, it's a reminder that he is also, like his Father, fully divine. He is claiming that he is the son of God. Back in John chapter eight, Jesus said, before Abraham was born, I am. And he's repeating how God revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush back in Exodus chapter three. And whenever Jesus says, I am, he's claiming to be nothing less than God. And so the kind of hope and strength and peace that Jesus received from his father is the kind of peace, hope, and strength that we can actually receive from him. And this is what Jesus was offering his disciples in the stormy sea back in John chapter 6. The disciples were in their wave-tossed boat and losing their ever-loving minds as Jesus walks on the water to rescue them. And most English translations, they, they tend to miss the point that Jesus is saying because they'll translate it, it is I, don't be afraid. But Jesus says, I am, be not afraid. And what's so beautiful about this is that it's not a rebuke, but rather it's an invitation to trust him, that I am God, I am in control. No matter what physical or emotional storm that you find yourself in, the hope you have and the peace you have is wrapped up in Jesus, the great I am. And one other fun fact, really, that I just came across this morning as I was reviewing things. I was reading an article, and it was talking about fear. And it said that it actually might not be a primary emotion. Now, this was a secular article, but it said fear might actually be a secondary emotion. And what they kind of argued is the primary emotion is identification. And I thought, wow. Like, you put that in with what Jesus is saying here, too. Like, it's your identity. It's who you are. So when you don't know who you are, it can lead to fear. So when Jesus is saying you don't have to be afraid, don't fear, he's saying, I'm not afraid. I know who I am, and I am. Trust me and know who I am and know who you are in light of me. Now, it doesn't mean that we're never going to struggle with a troubled heart but it means that you have someone you can turn to when you're fearful or angry or vulnerable or powerless. So Jesus simply invites us to bring those feelings of vulnerability to him, to trust him, the one who's in control of the universe. So now I wanna get back to what Jesus says about himself. When doubting Thomas, if that's the same guy who doubts him later after the resurrection, he's the one saying, hey, I'm not sure we actually do know how to follow you or where you're going. And Jesus replies I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except through me and what I love about this is that Jesus offers himself as the solution to our greatest needs the disciples have had their hearts filled with fear and anger and they need guidance wisdom and provision so Jesus doesn't say well here's the guidance you need like all of the other great religious leaders Jesus says, I am the way. And Jesus doesn't say, here's the wisdom you need to navigate the troubled waters of your world. He simply says, I am the truth. And he doesn't say, here's the provision you need to make it today, so try a little harder. He says, I am the life. Because when our hearts are troubled, we don't need some it. What we need is him. What we need isn't a solution. What we need is a person. The way of Jesus is intensely relational. It's not what you know when your heart's troubled, but it's who you know. And here's my main point, if you remember nothing else tonight. To a world that is in, in an unending storm of fear and anger, Jesus offers the gift of himself. Trust him to a world that is in an unending storm of fear and anger, Jesus offers the gift of himself. And that's why our, our mission as the Well Community Church is to make Jesus known so that lives and communities will be transformed. Because it's not about trying harder ourselves, it's not about doing more, it's about leaning into the person of Jesus. He's inviting us to meet with him, to be with him, to have an ongoing relationship with him. But like any other relationship, it takes time and intentionality. So if you're feeling vulnerable, powerless, remember that Jesus is the leadership you need. He's the way. We live in a world that's desperate for good leadership. And as the tragic events of this past week have unfolded in the Ukraine, what stood out most of all was the difference in leadership. You had one president sending in the troops and you had one president who sent in himself one of them was stirring up fear and anger the other was stirring up courage and peace so when Jesus says that he is the way he's telling us that he is the leader that the world has always needed that he will guide us to the place that we all need to go and we can have courage confidence and peace But we have to follow him, we have to trust him, we have to do what he commands, even in the times we don't understand. Which makes me think of his first miracle in John 2, which is when he turns water into wine. The wedding runs low on wine and, and Mary says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And I'm sure they thought it was the craziest idea that they had heard when he says, take some of the water over here, just fill these jars. But as they did it, something amazing took place. Jesus says in John 14 that only he is the way, and that no one is able to come to the Father except through him. And it's not popular to believe that. Some may say it's exclusive, but I believe it's the most inclusive invitation out there. It's the only solution that God has given us, all of us, for the forgiveness of sins. So if your heart's troubled, remember that Jesus is the way. And he doesn't just point to the way. He is the way. And Jesus is also the wisdom you're looking for. He's the truth. Again, our world is desperate for wisdom. Yet sadly it feels like we're adrift on the open sea without an anchor. And there's a video from about 20 years ago talking about the increase of knowledge and how rapidly knowledge is doubling. And I remember even hearing about this as a kid, like soon it's gonna double every year, quadruple. and. But at the end of this video, the speaker suggests that a time would come when too much information would function much the same as not enough information. And he says, people will get to the point where they no longer know what sources to trust and there will be tremendous emotional uncertainty and relational disintegration in society. Whoa. like that was 20 years ago and it's like he's talking about today we don't know what sources to trust so what we need to keep us from drifting is an anchor of truth and i remember this one time thinking of anchors up at my parents cottage they have this waterfall in the back bay but it gets rocky when you get there so i'm like well i'll just kind of hang out here and just read and just enjoy the sounds and i threw the anchor overboard I didn't realize that the water where I anchored was 60 feet deep and the rope on my anchor was like 20 feet, so I drifted right into the rocks. (sighs) Oops. Sorry, Dad, if you're watching. But uh, sometimes we think that we've anchored ourselves in, but what if we anchored ourselves to? Hebrews 6.19 tells us that the truth of God as revealed through Jesus is our anchor. It says we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And I actually just discovered this the other day that in addition to the cross and the fish being symbols of the early church, and they also had a symbol of an anchor, reminding them to anchor themselves to the heart and character of Christ. So your circumstances might not change, but your heart will shift. To keep the imagery of the boat Your boat will still rock. Moods go up and down. Situations fluctuate. But in a world that is adrift, that doesn't know the truth, be someone who holds onto the life-saving anchor of Jesus Christ. Don't anchor yourself in the stock market. Don't anchor yourself in your bank account, your job, your career, your spouse, your kids. All these things are inadequate. They don't hold you up in the storm. Cling to Jesus. Because lastly, Jesus is the provision you need. He is the life. The Bible uses two words which are both translated as life. Bios and Zoe. So Bios is where we get our word biology. And it's our, talking about our created physical life. But Zoe is a different kind of life. It's life and it's life to the full. It's our conscious, spiritual personality, which we can't see, but it's there. It's the real you. It's the spirit that's within you. You see, our spirits need the life of God, Zoe, just as much as our physical bodies need the sustenance of of physical water and food. We were created to draw upon God for our very life. Again, do you see how intensely relational this is? we need him constantly to flow into us and to fill us have you ever seen a picture of those planes the refueling planes they kind of fly close and an arm comes out and they refill one in midair what if god made us so that we too needed that constant refueling as human beings to keep going like that's the that's the picture that i'm seeing is this this larger jet coming up and topping up the other one and So that one can keep going on his mission and journey. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Let me fill you and sustain you with the life, with life and life to the full. Friends, when Jesus speaks to your heart, you welcome him in, you receive him. When you put your trust in him, that Zoe life, that will satisfy your soul. Our world's in turmoil. We've been in storm after storm. We've all had our moments of fear and anger, I'm sure. But if we're willing to listen, we will hear Jesus whispering to the depths of our heart, don't let your heart be troubled. So I just want to close in prayer, but to start with a moment of listening. What's God saying to you tonight? Maybe you've tasted that before. You've had that Zoe life and you're like, oh, I wanna get back there. What's stopping you? So I just invite you to simply pray and say, Holy Spirit, in what area of my life am I fearful or angry? Where do I need to surrender control and trust? jesus so let's just take a moment and then i'll close in prayer heavenly father i thank you for the opportunity that we have to just sit back and rest with you this evening to fix our eyes upon you and to lean into you and God, I don't know where everyone's at tonight, but I pray that you draw near to us and help us fix our eyes upon you. Help us move closer to you and and to surrender those areas of our life that have been keeping us from you. God, I confessed my own anger these past couple of years throughout COVID. I confess my fear and I I repent of them. And God, I pray that you will continue to help us come to you with our vulnerability and to simply trust you as the great I am.